0: Good evening, hello and welcome. You're listening to People Powered Radio 2X FM 98.3. The programme is Subject ACT and I'm Sophie Singh, your host for tonight. It's wonderful to have your company. Our first programme for Autumn 2020. On Subject ACT we bring you stories connecting with our local Canberra community and beyond, exploring current and community affairs from a curious and informed perspective. Affairs with a global dimension. On subject ACT tonight, we're in conversation with Australian filmmaker Heather Kirkpatrick about her latest documentary, Against Our Oath. The provision of healthcare continues to be a highly politicised and contested space when it comes to refugees and asylum seekers incarcerated in Australia's mandatory detention regime both in onshore and offshore detention centres. In Heather Kirkpatrick's latest documentary film, Against Our Oath, Heather explores the conflict experienced by many medical practitioners treating the men, women and children who have and continue to be held in Australia's detention centres in the face of intense political pressure from the Department of Home Affairs and the Australian Border Force. Heather spoke to Subject ACT recently from her home in Tasmania. Heather, thanks for speaking to me today on Subject ACT. It's great to have the opportunity to talk with you.
1: Thank
0: you for having me. Heather, Against Our Oath explores the dilemma that Australian doctors have been put into in Australia's policy regime towards refugees and asylum seekers and the pressure of of putting policy objectives above the health of their patients. What was it about this particular aspect of that policy regime that grabbed your attention and drove you to make this film?
1: The thing that really caught my attention was in 2015 when the Border Force Act was introduced and that threatened doctors and other workers with two years of jail if they spoke out about the conditions they were seeing in detention. And what actually happened was as a result I saw Professor David Isaacs speaking at a rally in Sydney. He'd never spoken at a rally before but Basically, I came to understand that it's actually an obligation of doctors to speak up if they see a situation where the health of patients is being affected. And in fact, their highest priority is to make sure that the individual patient's health is the key outcome. So when this law came in, that directly threatened the foundation of medical ethics. The doctors and being able to follow that. So I thought this will be a really fascinating story because doctors are highly respected members of our community. They're not used to this situation. And here we have the government and the doctors in this fierce battle. And as it turned out, it was a really great story to follow. And I ended up filming for four years, making the documentary.
0: And filming from many places around the world.
1: That's right. Yeah, I ended up exploring the whole history of doctors' ethics and went back as far as the Hippocratic Oath, but also where medical ethics were modernised after World War II as a result of the Nuremberg Medical Trial. And in fact, the Geneva Declaration that came out of that is what doctors follow today as their core ethical guidelines, I guess you would say.
0: I found it quite confronting the complicity of doctors under the Nazi regime. And one of the things that was mentioned was that more than any other profession, doctors were in higher numbers members of of the Nazi party.
1: That's right. The medical profession formed the largest percentage of any group within the Nazi party at the time. And when you looked at the history of where that came from, you'd had almost three decades of a eugenics movement that was driven from medical and health communities. Those ideas were coming out of there. It is a fascinating history to explore, and it took me over to Germany to meet. the leading medical historians on this particular area. And I interviewed them in the film and it was just an amazing issue to go and explore, really.
0: Heather, one of the key themes that you explore in a lot of detail in the film, and it's communicated in the words of a number of the doctors that you interviewed, was the intense pressure that was placed on them to prioritise the politics over their clinical practice and the care that they gave to their patients. Because the policy regime has fundamentally politicized the provision of healthcare for refugees and asylum seekers do you feel that that line between what's a political action and what's a healthcare action really become very blurred
1: well i think it's probably confusing for many medical and health practitioners who sometimes are often surprised they might work on an offshore contract and then get over there and realize this is the first time that they're not listening to doctors orders and this is what I was taught to do, and all patients are equal, and hang on, this is differing from everything I've been taught at medical school. So I think that becomes a challenge in itself. And when I began to explore this a bit more, one of the fundamental reasons Australia's got this conflict happening is that we're the only Western nation without a Bill of Rights that would protect human rights or a Charter of Human Rights. And if we did have that, health would be protected and we wouldn't have this current situation. So it's very, very interesting. And when I went and interviewed the German medical historians, they couldn't believe that Australia could simply not have health protected in a charter of human rights. I think it will continue to be a battle until it can be addressed. And I've been speaking at some of the national medical conferences. I was at the emergency doctor's conference screening last year and there was a lot of questions. I, th- I think particularly when young doctors suddenly work in a hospital and then they're confronted with a situation, they may see someone who's been evacuated from Manus or Nauru and then they've got the Border Force officers telling them to do one thing and they've just stepped out of medical school where they've told them, here's your ethical foundation, you must do this. So I guess I was trying to draw awareness to yeah. this issue and in fact the film's been highly appreciated by the medical community because i think a lot of people are realizing wow this has been going on for some time. We really need to address this.
0: Heather, does that surprise you that even though these conditions and this regime has been in place and became much more punitive from really 2000 under John Howard's prime ministership but ramped up to an even greater extent in 2013 with Kevin Rudd's move to you know the never ever to be resettled sure. uh, condition, did it surprise you that there still continued to be a relatively lower level of awareness of actually what was happening to these people in the offshore regime?
1: Yeah, look, I think part of locating detention centres or processing centres or whatever you want to call them, but places to send asylum seekers and refugees offshore and then restricting the access to journalists you've always got to question what's going on. Whenever freedom of access or journalists' rights to cover stories have been prohibited or restricted, it often goes hand-in-hand with cover-ups of of corruption or, or abuses taking place. It's an interesting point you make because in the film we had the court case of Hamid Kazai who died as a result of not being transferred in time according to Dr Zora's from Manus. And he died in a hospital in Brisbane which actually the government were then compelled to have an inquest here in Australia. So that was the first time that we'd been able to closely examine the inner workings of what was going on medically versus what the government were doing in terms of not listening to doctor's orders. And that really played out quite clearly in that case. And you can look at the coroner's recommendations. At the end, he's got eight key recommendations. It was basically putting power back in the hands of the clinicians. They're the experts. Why should a bureaucrat be making life-changing decisions when they've got no medical training? He was also saying there should be complete and regular audits of all the medical clinics and hospitals offshore as you would in a hospital here. And the government's actually never commented on on the content of that. There was sort of a day in the media when it came out and they said they were looking at the report. But I would love to know their answers on why haven't these recommendations been followed.
0: And I think the government has certainly taken many moves to keep a lid on the conditions and the situation that the men on Manus Island are secret or as little known as possible and the out-of-court settlement uh, that the Australian government reached with the men who were on Manus Island in the detention centre during the the riot in 2014 where Reza Barati was murdered. What was your feeling when you found out that that settlement had been reached?
1: Well, in fact, I was sitting in the courtroom to find that fact out. And that was a very large class action that involved nearly 2,000 people. And had that case played out in the courts, and we could have heard from each and every individual who'd been physically and or psychologically damaged as a result of this indefinite detention and the trauma associated with those riots, I think that that would have been a bit of a game changer because it would have reached the media and it would have opened up the debate here. So it would have been in the government's interest as they succeeded in doing in settling this court case privately.
0: If you've just tuned in you're listening to me Sophie Singh and the program is Subject ACT on your people-powered radio 2XX FM 98.3. Tonight, I'm in conversation with filmmaker Heather Kirkpatrick about her latest documentary, Against Our Oath, in which she traces the dilemma for medicos when their medical ethics are put to the test by political imperatives in how their patients are treated. Heather, did you encounter hostility from people in the medical profession in making this film, people that you may have approached for interviews? What was the reactions that you got?
1: I've asked for interviews with many people. So that includes prime ministers, ministers of immigration, leaders of the opposition, etc. I didn't have any of those offers accepted by my request. I also did approach the health provider for offshore detention, IHMS they declined, although they did issue a couple of paragraph statement, which is on my website under the media section. So I'm covering the story through the eyes of the medical profession, largely attempted to keep it as balanced as possible.
0: I found the film quite an emotional journey. There's sadness and disbelief and anger at the harm that's been done to people seeking asylum as a result of these policies and that harm is so evident in some of the people that speak to you in the film. Mm. Um, But also it's so uplifting, the courage of people to stand up against such policies and also the welcoming of local communities to people who've arrived as refugees. So the scenes are in Vienna and Munich.
1: It was quite amazing to be a part of that actually because I followed the refugees from a rescue boat in the Mediterranean all the way through to Germany over a couple of months and it was right at the time of, you know, the so-called refugee crisis in August 2015, September 2015. So yeah, to be amongst that sort of action and, you know, amazing acts of humanity as well as amazing acts of hostility. I mean, I witnessed a lot of things on that journey. It was a really powerful time to be recording those stories now you were definitely bearing witness to a very big chapter in refugee movements I was meeting a lot of media from all over the world at that time and so many different things were happening and you were kind of like which country and which border should I jump to tomorrow and and at that stage I didn't quite know the film would be focused on medical ethics so I ended up having to go back to Germany once I had distilled the storyline you know, to have that as its focus. So there was actually two visits to Europe in the making of this film.
0: One of the things that struck me in the film was the point where Dr David Isaacs recalls that he was giving a lecture about treating refugees in Australia's detention regime and he started talking about compassion. And at that point, a senior nurse got up and ordered the nurses in that room, about 20, to leave the room. And that their support for uh, or participation as practitioners in the regime was that they were part of protecting Australia's borders. So how do you think it's been possible to cast a small number of vulnerable, increasingly traumatised people as posing such a threat to Australia's sovereignty or to Australia's border security?
1: Yeah, look, I don't know if I'm going to be able to answer. I mean, I think what the government is saying in their mission of border force, I guess the point of my film is I'm just showing how it's in direct opposition to what doctors and nurses are trained to do. I think that incident in the film, this was after years and particularly the last six or so years of the border force really stepping in on the toes of doctors and nurses and saying, here is how it will be. So I think if you're a young nurse on the job and you're out at Christmas Island and you're suddenly told you need to tick these boxes so these people can be transferred offshore and we don't want to do the full and thorough health checks we used to do, you know, you're starting to listen to the objectives of the idea of a greater good, yep. we are protecting a great nation, we are keeping our borders safe, but you're moving away from the rights of the individual and whether you want to look at that through the eyes of the Geneva Declaration and the doctor's utmost priority and also the nurses is that the well-being and care of their patient is their highest priority. So for that nurse or for those nurses to walk out and say, hey, we're listening to the border force, they're actually going directly against the ethics of their profession. And I've had great support from the peak medical bodies. I haven't yet approached the nursing bodies to screen the film, but I think that's where they really need to tease this out. And also the registration authorities in Australia, like doctors are obliged to follow their ethical foundations. And here we have a situation where they're unable to or they're being complicit with the government quite happy not to or struggled with it and have had left but are now not walking there. But there is this situation that's arisen and I made a point of visiting the doctor who worked at Woomera from 2001 to 2004, Dr Simon Lockwood, to show that actually this has been going on since those early days. But doctors aren't used to being whistleblowers, they don't often speak up about it, but there would be a huge number, there would be hundreds and thousands of people who've worked within the medical and health systems of our detention System, whether it's onshore or offshore, who would have stories that show ethical conflict and terrible situations for them as professionals?
0: And Heather, did you get a sense in the people that you spoke to, the medical practitioners, that they'd been left with some trauma because of the situation that they'd been put into and the pressure that um, had been exerted on them? I got a sense from that in the film that really these people came away quite scarred, and it took them a while to recover.
1: Interesting. I've had that observation pointed out by many people actually it's almost one of the strongest or the most consistent comment that comes through to me is the people in your film appeared to be traumatized as well by their experiences and I'm not there to comment I'm no expert I'm no psychiatrist or psychologist but I am sure that if someone looked closely and examine that and there's a huge turnover of staff who don't They working within the system. Yes. But I'm sure if someone decided to gather evidence on that, I I believe they would have strong evidence of that trauma carrying over to the practitioner who's found themselves in this situation. But I don't have that evidence myself. It's more observational.
0: And perhaps that may be one of the things that comes out um, at some point in the future, the impact that it's had on the people who...
1: Yeah, I know that there's a class action on this very matter it's from a group of the security guards who worked offshore and feel that they had been impacted at a psychological level yeah. from what they'd witnessed and the sort of harm they'd seen and the system they'd been a part of now I'm not quite sure where that said I did speak to someone last year who said it was sort of almost about to begin and I haven't read anything or heard anything so I'm not quite sure it's that but certainly these things will arise And there will be ongoing harm done to those, not only who were the refugees and asylum seekers, but to the staff or others who had to witness what was going on.
0: Heather, one of the closing scenes of the film, and the screen is just a set of a a few words, the Australian government re-elected in 2019 hopes to repeal the Medivac bill. And we now know that that did occur uh, in November last year. How did you feel when the Senate voted to repeal? Look,
1: I don't. think it surprised me. I knew it would probably come down to a vote or two. It's very interesting isn't it because there was a lot of media around Medivac so I was very curious to see what that media was saying and no one had really explored the angle I've taken in the film of really looking back at the foundation of medical ethics and the obligation to that and the fact that not having the Medivac law was completely contravening the obligation yes. doctors and health professionals have. So, I think this film's got a long shelf life. Yes. I mean, some people said to me, "Oh, it's been repealed. Does that mean your film's over?" Sort of thing. Mm-hmm. You know, it just makes
0: know, it more relevant.
1: Yeah, exactly. More mm-hmm. relevant than ever, yep. and in fact, historically going to be very relevant until this very matter's addressed, until doctors and nurses and others are able to follow their ethical obligations to their patients. Mm-hmm.
0: Heather, you were almost a one-person band in making the film. You are writer, director, producer, camera and sound. That must be challenging having to wear so many hats. How did you manage that?
1: (laughs) If you ask me now, I still wonder myself. (laughs) I, I was feeling fairly burnt out at the end of last year. Look, it's a massive project. I chose to be an independent filmmaker. And that means fully independent, so I'm not even getting commissioned by a broadcaster. So that film is completely the film I wanted to make. People may not be aware, but when you are commissioned by a broadcaster, and quite often it's SBS and ABC, the commissioning editor actually does have the final say in what's going to be in and out of the film. So to me as an independent filmmaker, I didn't want to lose what I saw as the core of the story. Sure. And in a way, I think it's a brave film because... You know, I feel like I've brought up some truths that hadn't been exposed yet. And I knew that in doing so, it might, you're always curious to see what counter arguments will come. And so I was expecting that, yeah. but I've, I've had completely the opposite. It is a great tool. There's quite a few medical faculties now using it as part of their doctor training. And I'm really only just in the early stages of distribution and marketing this year.
0: How can people who are not in the medical profession have the opportunity to see the film?
1: Yes, if they go to the website www.againstouroath.com, you can actually watch the film online there. You do have to pay 19.99 99 to see that, but I'm an independent filmmaker and that actually funds our ongoing social impact project which is getting a lot of community screenings a study guide made to the film i getting it into international film festivals and things so people can watch it online they can also buy DVDs and that sort of thing as well and a lot of people are also hosting their own screening so every day I'm getting another booking and it's all sorts of people community groups as well as hospitals as well as universities it is of relevance to all Australians. It's designed it for a general audience. Most and definitely. It, a lot of people say, I don't know all that about medical ethics, and that's really opened their eyes up a bit.
0: Thank you very much, Heather, for speaking with me on Subject ACT, and well done on the film. It is a really powerful film.
1: Thank you very much, Sophie.
0: Thank you. And that was Heather Kirkpatrick discussing her film Against Our Oath. The film had its Canberra launch late last year, and I would strongly recommend it. And that brings us to the end of tonight's program. I hope you've enjoyed it. Tune in to Subject ACT next Tuesday night at 6.30 when I bring you a conversation with Sister Jane Keogh about the situation facing the remaining men being held in Papua New Guinea under Australia's refugee regime. If you can't tune in, you can always stream us live or on demand at the 2XX website. Just go to 2XXFM.org.au. Stay listening. To People Powered Radio, 2XFM ninety-eight point three for more great programming, with the Serbian program up next, followed by the Spanish program at seven thirty. I'm Sophie Singh. Thanks for listening and have a great rest of your week.